Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Super, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. And today I'm joined by Craig Johns. Dom Shaw is on the late shift and he informs me he is too engrossed in vigil. He's catching up on that on the BBCI player to come on to our podcast. Well, Craig, I guess it's just going to be better for us than in that case and better for you listeners and watchers. If you have any questions, do pop them into the chat and we'll get through the best of them. And if you're listening later on the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode, you will get a notification. Now that's the homework out of the way. Craig, let's dive into this then. We'll start, and I know it's going a bit of a way back, we'll start with that defeat to Hull. The episode prior to that, we said um, the win that they had gained against, just remind me who it was. Sheffield United. Yes, only really was a good result if they then went on to beat Hull, which they didn't. They lost 2-0. Horrible way to go into the international break. Just talk us briefly through what went wrong and how you think Warnock and the players would have handled that defeat over the last fortnight. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolutely miserable day. The, the rain poured on, on Humberside and uh, 4,000 Middlesbrough fans um, in in that away end would have got absolutely soaked through. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there was little on the pitch to, uh, to cheer them up or, or make that... Um, you know, soaking worth it. It was um, it was a game where you come away kind of scratching your head and wondering how on earth Middlesbrough had lost it because, you know, they had the opportunities. Um, Hull kind of started the better team um, without ever really threatening Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough always looked comfortable defensively, but, but Hull were having the better of the ball. Uh, Middlesbrough kind of woke up around the 30-minute mark and, uh, you know, they had a couple of half chances before the break but clearly after the break there'd clearly been some stern words I think uh, during the interval and you know speaking to Warnock after he he said that he did ask them to you know up it up the pace up the tempo because they were playing too slowly and, and noticeably they did they, they had a lot more um, intent to their attack and had a hat full of chances particularly in that second half bowler had one cleared that was goal bound um the the big chance was was andres Boraz when Matt Crooks played him through and uh he was one-on-one with a goalkeeper and puts it the wrong side of the post and you know there was another one just before that where Tavernier and Sparar broke together and it was um you know just begging for for Tavernier to kind of lay it off to, and, and play Sparar in but he went himself and, and and missed badly and you know at that point um you're wondering is this going to be Burroughs gear particularly when Sparar misses that chance uh, just after that um Paddy McNair was played through and uh you know he, he couldn't have probably hit the ball any better and their goalkeeper gets down and makes a tremendous save and and you're just starting to think the more the game goes on this is just not going to be Burroughs dear they're having chance after chance and that goal just isn't coming and ultimately yeah they were they, they made a rule the the missed chances the the lack of ruthlessness was uh was punished and you know sometimes when your luck's not in it's just not in the uh, 
ball, you know, edge of the comes out the edge of the box, the whole player volleys it. He does catch it sweetly, but it bounces off the post, off the back of Joe Lovely's head and and goes in the back of the net. And you and you just think, wow, like, you know, when, when you look it's not in, it's not in. But but as I say, you, you meet your own looking football and and Borough should have easily been two or three nil up at that point. They weren't and you know, in chasing the game late on to try and find a late equaliser they were caught on the break in, in stoppage time and lose the game two 0 and you know, with all due respect to Hull City, Middlesbrough, with the ambitions that they have this season, should not be losing uh, to Hull. And, you know, we mentioned it's been a, a bad start of the season. There's no way around that. They currently sit 15th in the table, which is well below where any of us expected or wanted Borough to be this season. And they've just been inconsistent right throughout since the start of the season and, and stretching back to the end of last season as well. And, um, yeah, you, you, like we said, after that Sheffield United win, it would only be a good one if it was followed up by a, a win at Hull City because, uh, you know, at some point, if Middlesbrough are to get to where they want to be and, you know, we're only 11 games in, let's not wave the white flag and, you know, um, cancel the season completely yet, but they're going to have to put a run together of results to get to where they want to be and right now they don't look capable of that. We have Peterborough this weekend, Craig, and we've got Christopher Blood here in the comments asking, realistically, does a poor result against Posh push Warner closer to the door? So he's not saying a, a defeat pushes him through the door, but he's certainly saying a bad result pushes him closer to the exit. What's your thoughts on that? It's it's an interesting one. It's it's a hard one to answer because the the honest answer is that I don't know, you know, what what the where the club is at in in their thinking. I, I, I knew early on last week. Uh, after the whole defeat, that that there was no plans to sack Neil Warnock, and you know the club still feel that this can be turned around, and 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 certainly there were no plans uh, because obviously pressure did grow on Warnock. There was it has to be said a small section of the away support at Hull uh, for the first time this season, and and it was very brief. It happened for about five seconds, but it couldn't be ignored that there was a sack in the morning chant from that away end at Hull. Um, you couldn't ignore it. It was, you know, clear to hear, and and clearly, you know, that you then see on social media that there is an ever growing uh, section of the fan base who who do believe that the time is right for Neil Warner to to leave. Um, whether or not a defeat to Posh uh, on Saturday would would push him closer, I, I'm honestly not sure. The, the the difficulty I think at the moment for Middlesbrough is, and I think I'm, I I can't speak for the supporters, and it, it is difficult to gauge how many are in the Warnock out camp now, because of course you know I, I mentioned this I, I was I appeared on BBC Radio Teagues last night and and we talked about this as well and you know it, it's always with social media you know you, you you rarely go on social media really and and kind of you know post positives. In, in, in some respects, you, the, it, it, it's very much on social media that the kind of, if you like, if we're if we're on a scale of of kind of one in one at one out is the very extreme of the scale, and so it's always that extreme that kind of gets heard the loudest. And of course, you go on social media after a game event and things like that. So it's it's natural that on social media you're probably going to see more of that. Than anything else, because you, you're unlikely to go on social media just to to post. Well, I actually think Neil Warnock should stay. 
you, you don't go on social media and post that day. You go on social media and you vent and you rant. So and 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 you have to contextualize that by saying, you know, those those that brief chant from a section. It wasn't the full away end. It was a section of the away end who chanted sacked in the morning. That is the only time so far this season that we have had any negative chance previously. At every home game, there's been positive chance towards Neil Warnock. But I think it, it, that's not to, you know, I, I want to choose my words carefully when I say it because I don't want to sound like I'm in any way invalidating the the opinion of, of any supporter who does think it's time for Neil Warnock to go. Uh, when I say the extreme opinion, I just mean in terms of the scale of, you know, what Warnock's the best manager in the world, but it's time for Warnock to go there. You know, if you like, the, the, on that scale, they're the two extremes. Um but that's not to say that those that opinion isn't valid. Um, it's just hard to gauge where exactly the fan base are in terms of on that. But uh, but yeah, I think absolutely it's it's valid to have those opinions because, like I said, Middlesbrough should be doing a lot better than what they are so far this season. I think the squad's capable of being better than than what it's producing at the moment. Um, there's there's various factors why it's not. I don't think it's all Neil Warnock's fault. And I think interestingly, I think. Some of the criticism handed to him is is perhaps harsh at times, um, and I I do wonder with some how much of it is, um, you know we we've spoken on this podcast before about this kind of new direction that the club's going in and bringing in Kieran Scott as the new head of football and kind of looking at this more sustainable model within the transfer market etc. And, and that often does get mentioned among supporters who do talk about Warnock's future and whether or not he's the right man to do that. But I think in, in some respects, you know, why the club have brought Kieran Scott in now completely makes sense because this is a big overhaul of, of you know, Middlesbrough's recruitment and how Middlesbrough do things off the pitch. And in that respect, bringing in Kieran Scott, you know, with a month or so to go before the next before next summer's transfer window just wouldn't be enough time for him to to get in position assess the you know how the land lies and then get to work essentially the brought Kieran Scott in this summer to to watch through the season where they fail as a club they've got a fantastic custodian in Neil Warnock who'll look after the club this season and, and no matter what happens obviously the ambitions are promotion but no matter what happens the club will you know, Middlesbrough won't be dragged into a relegation battle. I'm certain of that. Um, like I say, for Neil Warnock personally, his ambitions are to challenge for promotion. He's 72 year old, and he's not here for to just keep the club in the championship and, and be a safe mid-table team. He's not interested in that. But from Middlesbrough's point of view, from you know this new direction point of view, if if nothing better can come of this season, then you know just a safe pair of hands while Kieran Scott gets his feet under the desk and gets to assess how the land lies and assess what this club needs. You know, I think that's the more sensible approach rather than looking at it as Warnock's not the right man to, to carry this approach forward. Kieran Scott probably needs that bit of time to, to, you know, to assess how things are at the club and assess what this club needs. And in terms of that long-term planning, that long-term vision, I'm not sure a second the manager one month into Kieran Scott's time at the club is, is really the most helpful and appropriate use of his time either. It was Warnock's press conference yesterday, Craig. How was he? I mean, obviously he's had a bit of a break. Uh, it was 
at his press conference tomorrow morning. Is it? Yeah. Sorry, I read some comments regarding uh, Steve Bruce. Oh, where did they come from? Were they? Oh, yes. Yeah, so he was on Talk Sport yesterday. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Probably, probably should have read them properly. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. We'll try that again. How do we think he's feeling? Obviously, you mentioned the fact that. Um, you know, you spoke to him after the, the whole game. How do you think he's feeling? Is he aware that he is under a bit of pressure from sections of the fans? And I mean, he's been here before. He knows what it's all about. And he's clearly got the shoulders to deal with it. But um, it will be quite interesting to, to, to hear from him tomorrow. But how do you think he's dealing with the current form, the results, and that little bit of pressure from fans? Yeah, well, certainly speaking to him I, I straight after the whole game, you know, he was as, as gloomy as he, he, he'd ever been. There was... Um... You know, there was there was injuries just to compound the misery of what had been an awful day at Hull. Um and, and yeah, he was as downbeat as he's as he's ever been really in his time here at Middlesbrough. But he, he did see then that um you know, it, it's his job to quickly pick himself up. He he was gutted at that moment, but he'd have to quickly pick himself back up. And I did speak to I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying I did I did ring him on uh, on the Monday after Hull. Uh, and I did speak to him then, and we we had a little chat because mainly because I'd have to, I'd had to ask the question, um, you know, about fans singing sacked in the morning, and and listen, I'll make no secret of the fact that you know I respect Neil Warnock greatly, and and I like him as a man as well. So having to ask that question, listen, it's my job. I can't ignore the fact that fans sang that. I had to ask that question. But it's not nice to do that when you respect and like a man as much as I do, Neil Warnock, uh, because he is fantastic with the regionals. Let's not uh, let's not you know pretend any anything else. But um, so yeah, I spoke to him on the Monday, and and, and already at that point, you know, he'd completely changed for either that downbeat demeanour after Hull. Um, he took training that Monday morning, and and he said to me then, he, "Yeah, our injuries are bad, but I already have ten of me eleven starters in mind for Peterborough. That's last Monday, uh, you know, like almost two weeks still to go at the game. And I appreciate it. many things could happen in that time in terms of training injuries or the three lads away and internationals potentially getting injuries. But but all being well, he already had a plan in mind for Peterborough in terms of, you know." 10 out of the 11 starters, the system he wanted to go with. And it was just a case of, of finding somebody to fill that 11 spot in the team because there are uh, quite a few absentees um, for the game. Uh, so, yeah, clearly, you know, for him, Hull was very disappointing. And 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 for, for us as, as journalists and for all the Middlesbrough fans, losing to Hull was particularly bad timing because it's such a bad result. You haven't yet again you know, started your season, got your season going after the Sheffield United win. So we've just got two weeks to dwell on on what's been a poor start of the season. For Neil Warnock, for the Middlesbrough players, you know, this this last two weeks has been about getting on the training ground, you know, hard work and 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 uh, and, and, and thinking positively as well. Um, and I think that came across in in the Talksport interview that you alluded to. There, you know, he mentioned the interviews, but but for him, he was thinking positively. Um, the sorry, the injuries he mentioned, but for him, he was thinking positive. It was yes, we've got a lot of players out injured, and yes, that's not helpful. But what that means is players are going to have to come into the team. And, and, and that creates an opportunity for them. So the message from Warnock is clear to the players who, who will have to play against Peterborough on Saturday. You know, prove your worth and you know, go out there and show me you should be in this, this starting eleven. And then the players who are out injured are going to have a job to do when they get back to fitness because there's going to be 11 solid starters there who've, 
who have taken their opportunity. So, so that's clearly the message from Warwick in, in thinking positively. And, and as you see, he, he was speaking about Steve Bruce. He was asked a lot about the situation at Newcastle, but it was interesting. I thought that he, he started talking about, you know, the pressure that managers get. And he, he did see it. That's not the, the nice, that's the, you know, the, the, the worst part of the job. And I'm sure in a lot of what he was saying about Steve Bruce and the situation at Newcastle, I think a lot of it, he was also kind of linking back to what's going on at Middlesbrough right now when he was talking about pressure and and whether or not you know they'll get they'll get somebody better and um, and and he mentioned you know the bug of football and how much he, he uh, football management how much he still loves that and he, he mentioned in particular the the day to day stuff on the training ground when you're on the training pitches with the players you're having a laugh you're having a joke he said when he does retire that's the thing he'll miss the most. Is that is that you know just general banter around the training ground with the players etc. So I think definitely that that's a reflection of what's currently happening at Middlesbrough. I think while for us you know behind you know away from the club if you like the last two weeks has been you know miserable and dwelling on what's been a really underwhelming start of the season. I think it's been very much business as usual at Middlesbrough preparing for Peterborough, lifting the spirits and or even just keeping spirits high because I don't think they've particularly gotten too down on themselves. Um but yeah, I think, you know, certainly behind the scenes within the club, there's there's still a positivity and there's still a hope that with a bit of fortune, you know, there's there's been enough there to say that this can turn around. Do you think that, that hope is valid? Is it is you know is it legitimate? Is it genuine, or is that just a, a Warnock, you know, doing what most managers would do? You see it everywhere where they have got this kind of either it's, it's a belief in themselves that they are the right man for the job. But in terms of what you're saying there, do you, do you have you generally seen enough to believe that this can be turned around? Yeah, I, I personally have. I think one of the strangest things of, of the criticism that I see coming his way, and listen, Warnock makes no apologies for being a manager who doesn't like these players to play the ball around at the back. Uh, you know, they're not going to be a Manchester City-style patient build-up, pass, 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 pass. Warnock will make no apologies for not being that kind of manager. We all knew that when Warnock arrived at Middlesbrough. And last season, when you know Middlesbrough were winning and were doing well and were challenging for that top six of the first half of last season, there was no Middlesbrough fans whatsoever complaining about his style of football. Now, I appreciate that's because results are coming. And when results are coming, who really cares about the style of football? But now, when results aren't coming, the style of football comes into the argument a lot. And actually, it, you know, it, it's a bit unfair because in patches, I appreciate probably not often enough. And I appreciate that there are, there are good players there who possibly could play better football than what they currently do. But they do play decent football in patches. Even in that game against Hull, I would say from about the 30th minute to the 80th when they conceded, they were in complete control of that game. And some of the stuff when the, the you know, as I say, the, he makes no apologies for, for not wanting to mess around with it at the back. But when they could get it into the final third and get it down, there is a genuine freedom that Warnick has given the attacking players in the final third to express themselves and to show the quality. And, and you can say that in, 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 you know, more than just that patch against Hull in games, you know, the first half against Blackpool, which ended in defeat. 
in the game against Black uh, Blackburn, which ended in a draw. The win against Sheffield United. There are signs still, I think, that this this can turn. And you know, they have had some rotten luck. I know I, I said you make your own luck, and far too many times this season we've we've, we've already spoken about ruin missed opportunities and things like that. But they have still had rotten luck. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, that that I mentioned Blackpool there. The loss to Blackpool having two one, having conceded one shot on target all game. You know, the, the second the winning goal was an own goal. The corner comes in, it bounces off your player's shoulder and goes in. And then, you know, we mentioned the whole Joe Lumley goal. You know, they, they have had some rotten luck and they've had some bad luck with injuries as well, which is still continuing. Um so yeah, I, I think, you know. It's going to go one of two ways, ultimately, as football always does. It's not going to turn and Warnock will eventually lose his job. Um, Oh, you know, this will turn and there are makings there. You know, don't forget as well that it was such a busy summer. 12 new signings arrived at the club. They're still gelling together. You know, the likes of, you know, we're we're just starting to say now, you know, we can all see what Andrus Spora is capable of, but... You know, the rest of the team are still getting used to you know what he wants and how the service he needs to get the best out of him and and things like that. So you know there's still that gelling and coming together period for all of the summer signings after such a big overhaul of the squad. So I still think you know eleven games in, let's not be too hasty and let's see you know what what goes with what happens with this season. I've got a comment here from Colin Fret. And he says, Warnock is all about building team spirit within a squad. And we are nowhere near that. Or even getting the players to get the basics right. What would you say to that, Craig? Yeah, well, I I think that's an interesting comment. Because I don't know how you can comment on team spirit um, when you're not actually part of the dressing room. And you're not there day to day to to know what's going on. Um, You know, I mean, I can only, you know, take what I've being told from from Neil Warnock and then from players when we've spoken to the players. Uh, and they all talk about how good the the atmosphere and, and the the places around around the um you know around Rockcliffe at training, etc. Listen, you know, I'm not gonna say that everything's brilliant at the moment. The the 15th in the league and they're not where they should be and the losing games they shouldn't be. So you know, by no means is is this one big party at Rockcliffe and everybody's happy and satisfied with how things are going. But you know, one thing about the championship is games come thick and fast. You've got to, you can't dwell on defeats. You can't dwell on the fact that you know you didn't beat Hull. Because if we're still sitting here now on Thursday morning with Peterborough on Saturday and still you know as Middlesbrough players feeling down about Hull, well we're, we're on a hiding to nothing going into Peterborough. Yes, yes, for us as, as as fans, if you like, we we were downbeat we're still frustrated about Hull we're frustrated with how the season's going but as a player as the manager you've got to quickly move on and it's got to be quickly focused on the next game which as I say it was and 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 everything we hear from you know anybody at the club it's about how good the spirit is and and certainly I think the one thing you cannot criticize Middlesbrough for this season is is effort I don't think you know there's ever been an issue with the effort or application of any of the players Say they've had bad luck, they've made costly errors at times at the back, they've you know lacked quality and put no way chances uh, in the final third. Um, but effort is one thing that you absolutely cannot criticize them for. And I just think if you know another thing you commonly hear is oh, he must have lost the dressing room, Warnock, and you know the players wouldn't be putting in the effort that they are 
if that was the case, if team spirit was low, if if, if Warnock had lost the dressing room, they wouldn't. And, and like I say, you only have to look at that whole game. I know they lost it 2-0, but, you know, the, the, the difference in the first-half performance to the second-half performance in terms of the intensity, you know, it was night and day, and it was clear Warnock got into them at half-time, and the players responded to it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can talk about team spirit. Yes, the the second point about, you know, not doing basics, right? That That is frustrating. That is, that's a frustration for everybody in terms of, you know, making sloppy defensive errors and things like that. Um, but, you know, ultimately that's just going to be have to be something that, you know, needs to be sorted and hopefully will be sorted. Uh, you know, otherwise, like we say, Neil Warnock is has been in this game long enough. He knows it's a results driven business, and, and he knows the axe will fall if he doesn't. But but listen, I think the one thing we can be certain of with Neil Warnock is he said all along he doesn't need this job. He, he he's in this job. He's he's managing Middlesbrough right now because he loves football manager management. He loves the game. And he's always wanted to manage Middlesbrough. He's always wanted to work with Steve Gibson. Um, and he wants to bring Steve Gibson success. Now, we saw it at Cardiff as well. The moment he felt like he couldn't take Cardiff City any further, and the moment he felt like the supporters didn't think he could take Cardiff City any further, he left. Um, he resigned. You know, he, he, he doesn't need pay off money or anything like that. You know, you sometimes see some managers hanging on, even though, you know, the, the, it's clearly gone because they want that pay off. You know, Nick Wallet doesn't need that. He could be, you know, jetting off to Italy now and he's holiday at home in Italy and enjoying his life and, you know, spending weekends in Scotland going fishing, uh, happily enjoying retirement. But he's not interested in that. He loves football. And, and I think the one thing keeping him at Middlesbrough right now is he can see hope. He can still see something within that Middlesbrough dressing room where if this turns, if they get some luck, as he keeps seeing, there is still something special that could happen. We're 11 games into the season, as the 15th in the table, but they're only six points off the top six. You know, you get a few good results and there are some winnable games coming up. Suddenly the, the, the whole, you know, the whole situation looks completely different then. Before we look ahead to the game this weekend and the game afterwards as well, uh, Kit Holiday asks, do you think the Borough are going to improve and is there any young players ready to come through? I guess this also ties into what you mentioned earlier in the show, Craig, about the injuries that Warnock's having to deal with as well. So how would you answer Kit's question there? Yeah, so, I mean, in, in terms of Im- improving, we, we know the need to, like I say. Um, they've, they've had good spells in patches, but but not often enough. And and that's the improvement. The improvement needs to come from from doing that more often and you know we mentioned the Sheffield United win and I think what was particularly good at that is good about that is that for the first time this season we saw Borough have midfield balance and 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 I think you know they I appreciate the clamour to see Saliti and see Piero more in action but whenever either of those played Borough haven't had that midfield balance Johnny Housen has been left far too exposed and, you know, Saliti has given the ball away far too much because he's used to far more time on the ball. Piero just hasn't quite gotten up to speed and he's had a few niggling injuries. Paddy McNair was restored into that midfield and, and suddenly it looks a lot more balanced. Middlesbrough win that midfield battle against a good team as well. Don't forget Sheffield United are a good team and looked at infinitely better team. And as I say, you know, despite the fact that they lose to Hull and that's a crushing defeat, it's a miserable defeat. 
Um, yeah, they were the better team on the day. And like I say, they should have won 2 or 3 nil. They should have been 2 or 3 nil up before Hull scored their goal, rather. Um, so I think in terms of, you know, finding, you know, improvements, I think there's something there to build on. We've found that now. And and, and again, you know, I mentioned Saliki and Piero there. That's not to rule them out or completely write them off. But while they're sat on the bench watching those games, they have to be watching what Paddy McNair's doing in that midfield and asking themselves, you know, why, why, when I am on the pitch, do we look so exposed? But when Paddy's there in that midfield, do we not? Um, and, 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 you know, and that's, that comes with getting up to speed with the championship. It comes with being better in possession and being better in, in a positional sense. Uh, and that's where those those two watching, they can learn from that and take that into their game when they do get the chances. In terms of youngsters coming in, it's a difficult one, um, particularly when things aren't going so well. It's always difficult to, to throw youngsters in because it's a it almost becomes a kind of sink or swim situation. And you can almost, you know, sometimes you can ruin a youngster by just putting them in at the wrong time when they're not ready, when the, you know, the, the climate isn't the right climate and, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes youngsters can be thrown in too early and, and, and ultimately the sink rather than swim, and, and that can completely crush them uh, for good. But you know, ultimately, like we mentioned, the injuries, I think we calculated yesterday that um, not including Fry and Hall, who were uncertain of, but are doubts, there's only 15 senior players and three of those are goalkeepers uh, who are, are available for Saturday, all the injuries, and then Lee Peltier is, of course, suspended. Uh, you know, you're only going to name one goalkeeper on the bench. So that gives you, you know, 14, um, which is, you know, a bench of three, <laughs> of seven you can name. Um, so, so ultimately, you know, we, we William Cocolo was on the bench at Hull. He, he was the sixth club. Uh, he's a very, very good defender. I really like him. Uh, left back can definitely do a job. He's defensively sound, but he can also get forward. Uh, but we know that, particularly in a Warnock team, being defensively sound is the important thing. So yeah, I would expect him to be in the squad again. The difficulty they've got is they have got a couple of decent enough older under-23 players, but in terms of squad registration, uh, only under-21s don't have to be registered. Um, and, and and so, you know, William Cocolo, for example, didn't have to be registered to near the bench at Hull, whereas some of the under-23s would have to be. Um, and 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 Warnock was leaving those two spaces. They, they've registered twenty three of a possible twenty five, and Warnock wanted to leave those two spaces free because they were looking at the free agent market. Now I, I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't heard any updates or whether or not there has been anything happening on that front. Um, I would suspect we'd know by now if there was. I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if this late in the week there is anything close to happening, but but never say never in football. But yeah, whether or not we've, you know, they've scoured the free agent market, if they haven't found anyone, perhaps he does register a couple of under-23 players and and and, and they, they come in to essentially make up the numbers, uh, which they might do this, this weekend. But they the were boosted in the week as well. Uh, two players who wouldn't need to be registered, Conor Malley and Josh Corburn, both of those players do have uh, first-team experience already. Um, clearly, he, he definitely likes Josh Corbin. We know that, and he could probably do with the, you know, the extra kind of forward option, striker option. Uh, he returned from injury uh, with the under-23s in, in, during the week there, so I would ex certainly expect him to be in the squad. I think with Conor Malley, they would have preferred to loan him out this season. 
uh, particularly after the Blackpool Cup game earlier in the season. Uh, Molly played in that one and, and and was culpable for at least one of the Blackpool goals, not following his man. And, you know, you kind of saw in that one, he's, he's lack of first-team experience, sure. Uh, but, yeah, as I say, options are so short at the minute. He, he did have that one brilliant performance last season against Rotherham. So, yeah, he could be on the bench. And ultimately, you know, as Warnock said himself, injuries create opportunities. And, you know, one of these young lads might be needed, maybe not from the start, but from the bench. And you only have to look at Isaiah Jones in pre-season. He was given an opportunity, not just in, in the games, but in training. He impressed Warnock. He showed Warnock what he was capable of. He got his opportunity at the start of the season and he's took it with both hands. Yes, he's been in and out of the side, but that's because you've got to remember he's still just a young boy. He hasn't got much first-team experience, so he's going to be a bit inconsistent. But uh, despite that, you know, I think if you're one of the young boys who might come in this weekend, you know, just look at Isaiah Jones, who is now, when I counted the 15 fit senior players, I counted Isaiah Jones within that because without doubt, he's a Middlesbrough first-team player now, whether he's in the starting eleven. Uh, regularly or not, he's a first-team player. Uh, so he's your inspiration. You know, your opportunity comes, grasp it with both hands and, and you know, make it so that Neil Warnock can't possibly, you know, not think of selecting you in the next game. Yeah, take up that challenge. Final question then from uh, viewers. Great to see so many questions coming in. So thank you for sending them in. We've got Mark here, Mark Motley. He says, defensively, we keep switching off. That is the main issue in his opinion. The goals considered have been poor. We need to keep. Uh, we need to continue with two settled central defenders in Fry and McNair. So I guess it's more more of a point than a question, Craig. But anything you'd like to pick up on there? No, yeah, very valid. Um, all very valid. The goals that have considered have been poor and and very avoidable. Most of them as well. A couple of unlucky ones which we mentioned, but but all mostly very avoidable. And the frustrating thing is, if you look at you know, Borough's expected goals against and and, and uh, statistics and, and, and Borough's shots conceded, they're by no means anywhere near the worst. They're actually, you know, they're, they're doing well in comparable to other teams in the championship. There, there are teams above them in the league. There are teams who have conceded less than them this season, who concede more more shots and, and in expected goals against should concede more as well. Um. I don't think structurally Borough have a problem defensively. Uh, I know some people don't like the man-marking um, situation and the man-marking uh, tactic that Warnock employs, but, you know, it's it's worked for Borough in the past. You can't deny that, you know, Borough are far better defensively, um, you know, now than, than what they were before Warnock came. Uh, but I do appreciate the argument that perhaps the sloppy goals happen, and you look at the statistics between this season. Certainly, Borough's, you know, first half goals conceded and second half goals conceded, and Borough are conceding a lot more of the goals in the second half. Now, is the man marking, you know, tiring the players? Um, it's it's a valid, you know, argument, a valid opinion, um, and does does the man marking system leave them open? Uh, where just one player switches off, suddenly the whole team is dragged about and, and it, it does affect them. Uh, they're valid opinions, definitely. I think in terms of, you know, getting a settled team, Mark's right. I think that would help with that. If you could have more of a settled team, that would absolutely help because you would think with a more settled team, you'd have better organisation and better understanding of one another. 
the issue of with that, of course, is is the injuries. You know, the, the reason we haven't had a settled team is because of all the injuries. You mentioned Fry and McNair there, and I would agree that in, in a four, that's probably your best two central defenders. Uh, unfortunately, I, I Fry's a doubt for Saturday. I can't see him playing. And, and as we've mentioned, the midfield uh, struggles at the moment. McNair's kind of been needed in the in the centre of the park because without McNair there, House and Johnny Housen's left uh, woefully exposed. Um, so yeah, so it's a difficult one at the moment. It is difficult. So uh, the game against Peterborough, then I mean, it's obviously very crucial, Craig, and we would hope Middlesbrough gets a win. How crucial is it? I mean, if they lose against Peterborough, that obviously then leaves it's Barnes next, isn't it? Um, would be a would be. I mean, they're both massive games. So I mean, this week alone is it's probably best we look at it probably as a week really. Just yeah. how crucial is this for Warnock and Middlesbrough? Yeah, I think it's absolutely crucial. Like you say, I think you know both teams are in the bottom three. If Middlesbrough have you know realistic ambitions to challenge for the top six this season, right? I say it's still more than possible. They're only six points off it, but they have to take six points from these games and they have to get the season going now. Uh, there's no more you know waiting, no more hope, and the luck will turn and it'll happen. It's got to happen now. Peterborough and Barnsley are you know the perfect two teams you'd want to play at home to get your season going. Uh, I know there are injuries, but you know, no more excuses. It's got to start now. Um, you know, to in, in in kind of summing up what it's like to 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 be associated with Middlesbrough, either be a borough fan or cover them like I do as a journalist. Checking up on, on Peterborough, um, looking at their form and coming into the game that don't have a single point on the road this season. Now, to any other team, that would probably be a point of you know, positivity of hope of, you know, what a team to play when we need three points. For Middlesbrough, typical Borough, you look at that and you just think, oh my God, no. You see that though, right? I just want to jump in there. Now, people watching probably know I'm a Newcastle United fan, but that is exactly the same thing that we see as a Newcastle United fan. For instance, Harry Kane, this Sunday coming up, hasn't had the best of form. And every Newcastle United fan's going, typical Newcastle, you'll get the goal. So yeah. I get what you're saying, Brad. That might be every fan, I think, has it. Has yeah, well, maybe just North East fans. Maybe it's the ingredient that it was North East fans. But yeah, certainly at Borough. Uh, I've never known a team in this last year covering Borough who have more typical Borough moments than, than any other club ever. It, it's unbelievable. So, so yeah, while looking at Peterborough and seeing that, you know, they won't have the manager on the touchline because uh, he, he's got a suspension. Um, the missing the star striker, Johnson Clark Harris, is out. And then, as I say, they haven't got a single point on the road yet this season. They're all positives that you should take into the game. They're all, you know, major pluses from a Middlesbrough point of view. I know, really, we shouldn't be sitting here as Middlesbrough and taking any of those three points as as positives to take into a game at home against Peterborough. Middlesbrough should just be going into a game at home against Peterborough positive. But nevertheless, you know, at the moment, take any positives you can get. But, you know, Borough being Borough, that just sets my anxiety levels. Uh, you know, cruising. How important will the fans be, do you think? Because it's, it, it seems to be in that position where if they do go a goal down, we don't know how some of the fans will react. I mean, how important to do a role do the fans have this, this weekend? Yeah, well, I think that's certainly one of the big points. I think you, meant, you mentioned about how important the next two games are. And I think certainly... I'd be surprised if, you know, the next two games had 
a major sway yet on Neil Warnock's future as manager. Um, but it will be interesting, you know, if things don't quite go to plan. God forbid, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the atmosphere and 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 you know the, the how the fans are um, in those two games. Should as I mentioned earlier about it being hard to gauge through social media exactly how the fans are at the moment. I think the one thing we can absolutely be certain of is that at three p.m. on Saturday, as Middlesbrough are kicking off against Peterborough at the Riverside every single one of those supporters will be right behind the team. They'll be creating a fantastic atmosphere. And, you know, they'll be, as I say, right behind the team. And and then the onus is ultimately on those players to keep that atmosphere positive. You know, because ultimately the fans within the stadium, you know, uh, if they do turn in any way, if it does turn toxic or negative or however you want to classify it, that will be as a direct you know, consequence of what they see on the pitch. So ultimately, the onus is on the players on the pitch to keep that atmosphere positive, make sure we're at full time on Saturday and at full time on, I think it's Wednesday, the Barnsley game, if I'm not mistaken. You know, that that it, they've got to keep it positive by what they do on the pitch, you know. Um, and, and, the, and the fans, you know, if we've seen plenty of times this season when, when what happens on the pitch is worth getting behind and is, you know, positive, they react positively to it, and 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 Middlesbrough can the Riverside can become a hard place to play when Middlesbrough are in the ascendancy. They've got the momentum. They're going forward, and the fans in the stadium are reacting positively to that. So yeah, so I think in terms of of, of keeping the atmosphere a positive one and not seeing a kind of negative or toxic turn, that's why these two games are particularly so important. And we'll not be back with Tripe Supper before the game against Barnsley. So, Craig, what I'll do first is, well, in fact, what I will do is just ask you how many points do you think they're going to get out of the next two games? And then if you break down your thoughts on, you know, where the win or where the draw will come. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to go six points. Simply, I think it has to be. Um, I, I do always try to be positive in my predictions, but I think, you know, ultimately throw away the injury list, you know, throw away any excuses. Middlesbrough need six points in these games. Um, I don't think anything, you know, I don't think a win and a draw or a draw and a win is good enough. I think they need six points because like we see ultimately this season for Middlesbrough was about trying to challenge for that top six. And and if you're not beaten by Peterborough and you're not beating Barnsley at home, then, you know, with everything that's come before it as well, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. So for me, it has to be six points. I think breaking it down, I think Peterborough, because you know we have got the injuries, because form is 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 patchy. I think it could be a bit of a slog. It could be a difficult game. It might be a nervy game without Johnson Clark Harris. I, I you know I'll touch wood when I say this, but uh, I struggle to see Peterborough being much of a threat to Borough. Uh, and I think the the biggest issue for Borough will be where their goal comes from. We've mentioned the you know ruin missed opportunities etc. in previous games. But I think they'll scrape a one 0 win against Peterborough. Take big confidence from that into the Barnsley game and beat Barnsley a bit more comfortably, like say maybe a two or three nil in that one. But that has been very positive, positive and optimistic. No, that's what we like, Craig. That's what our listeners and viewers will like. A bit of positivity. And fingers crossed, you're absolutely spot on. And it is a maximum of six points from the next week because, like you say, we know Millsbad do desperately need those points. To everybody watching and listening, 
Thank you very much for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode, you'll get a notification to see it's there. And head over to uh, the Gazette website to follow all the latest Middlesbrough FC news.